I do. Wonderful. Then we have the privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, but I'm fine. And tell. <laughs> right, if just uh, some friends and family, people that have got to know Faye, want to gather around and pray for her, we're just going to have a few minutes of praying. And if you want to bring a scripture or a word, then please do that. <laughs> Faye, when I was praying for you today, it's interesting that you described yourself as um, anxious and uh, depressive. I think those are names that are buried with you today. That you're no longer going to be recognised by anxiety and depression. All that's been washed away and gone. All the fullness of his presence and life lies before you. And this, this passage of scripture says... I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. That gift is that grace, that charisma that we spoke about. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So Lord, I thank you. I just declare that over Faye today, Lord, that she has a, does not, will not have a spirit of fear, but of power just declare that you're a powerful lady in the kingdom of God. You're going to be filled with the love of God and have a sound mind. You know, that's fullness and not being rocked by anxiety and depression. That's gone in Jesus' name. Yeah, I just feel the Lord just says, this is my daughter who I am so thrilled with. And uh, you are his and you are his forever. And nothing, nothing, nobody can ever take that away. Your eternity is secure with Jesus now. And you have so much to be thankful for. And I know you do. And your smile will just get even bigger because of Jesus, because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this dear lady. Thank you for this dear friend. Thank you that she is now in the family of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done in her life. But I thank you for what you are going to do. And I pray now that you will just fill her with your Holy Spirit. Fill her from head to toe with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Fill her with joy and with peace, and love, and all those wonderful attributes of the living God. May she just be a temple of you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know you've been on my heart since you first came. You are such an amazing girl. You, I believe, God has given you a gift of evangelism that you will spread his word. Many will come to know him through you, your loving outward spirit, your, just your joy in life. And all this anxiety and yucky stuff will go in his name. Bless you, Faye. Thank you. Amen. 
there's a scripture that says perfect love casts out fear and um, I just really know that God wants you to receive more and more his perfect love for you he sees your heart he knows you have a heart of compassion and love for people and he's going to help you to um, show that to people around as you uh, receive from him more and more and know his love for you more and more I just see a butterfly emerging from a chrysalis. I just feel that, you know, what's past is past. It's a complete cut-off. There's a new life in front of you. Faye, I've known you a very long time. You and I are quite similar. We're both kind, helpful people, but we didn't know what was missing out of our lives, did we? We both suffered from depression, the day I found God, it went, and the day you found God, it went. So what an amazing God we've got. And I finally know I've got a father. I've never had a father, and now I have, and it's amazing. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well done, Faye. Let's just show our uh, appreciation and love for her one more time, shall we? Okay, um, the guys are just going to put the pool back together um, and we're going to send our children out. So children, you can go down to your children's work. Let's just um, pray for them as they go. Lord, we give thanks for our children today. I just pray that you'll bless them, pray they have a really good time. Um, in Jesus' name. Okay, I just wanted to reiterate as well, if you're a visitor here this morning, we just want to say it's really great to see you and you really are welcome to stay behind for, for the lunch that's going to be served and it will be amazing. It will be amazing. There's turkey and potatoes and possibly vegetables, but who cares about those? Um, but, but it will be an amazing lunch, so you are really warmly invited to come and join us for that afterwards. We won't pull the plug as well. Apparently it happened before. We pulled the plug and it just sounded like uh, the guy speaking during the service had bowel problems. So we won't do that this morning either. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we could just put up on the screen. Um, in a moment we're going to just have a reading. Okay, just a short, quick notice as well about the children. Uh, we aim to finish-ish at 11.30. Um, it, when we finish, can you please go and collect your children? But also there is um, an after-service activities for the children, egg hunts and all sorts of things that my wonderful, beautiful wife has um, organised as well. So you, I think you need to stay with the children as well? No? Yes, you can come and collect your children and take them to do the activities. Um, but if you go down, it will be explained to you. Okay. Now, what we're going to do now is we're going to read a bit of Scripture. What we do here as a church, we believe that God speaks to us through the Bible. And what we like to do is read the Bible and then try and apply it to our lives. And Sophie, the lovely Sophie, is going to uh, read for us this morning. Let's give Sophie a warm welcome, shall we? So this is from John 21 to 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early whilst it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. 
So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He, he stooped to look in and saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One of the heads, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, and she, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said, and that he had said these things to her. Okay, now imagine um, Tuesday comes after the bank holiday, your busy bank holiday, and uh, the post comes, and you get a letter through the post, and this letter says that you have received millions and millions of pounds of inheritance from a dead relative that you have never, ever heard of. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Now, I don't know if about you, but I think I would probably address it with a little skepticism, but the offer would be so great that I think I would want to look into it. Wouldn't you? Or am I just a bit of a, you know, I just like money, is that what it is? You're all better people than me. I mean, you are, don't get me wrong. You are all better people than me. Um, and... Like that, the offer of the resurrection that we look at this morning is too great an offer not to look at and not to look into. This resurrection offer is not just some sort of vague offer of an afterlife floating on a cloud. No, but this is a new body, a new hope for this life and for the next. 
And we, when we realise, we can come to this as well with our thinking heads on. We can rationalise this. Because this offer, this resurrection, is rational. It's merciful. It's personal and it's wonderful. You see, it's rational because Mary, she comes to find the tomb empty. Peter and John run in. Do you notice, now when it says the disciple that Jesus loved the most, is John is talking about himself. I think my kids talk about themselves like that, about their parents, the one that they love the most. But John says the one that Jesus loved the most. <clears throat> they come to the tomb and they find it's empty. And there are three words that are used here um, in the Greek. If you don't know, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And there are three words in Greek used here for the word seen or saw. And the first word for the first saw is the word blepo, which literally means to see. The second word, when Peter enters, is the word theoreo, which our word theorize derives from. So when Peter enters into the tomb, he's looking and he's thinking. He's not just, you know, blindly thinking about what's happening. He's really thinking about what's happening because he sees the linen lying there and he's really thinking about this. He's rationalising. Well, if this were, were grave robbers that had taken the body, then they would have taken the expensive linen with all the expensive spices that were in it. If it were the disciples that would have taken the body, then they wouldn't have dishonoured the body like this and left the linen there. And then John enters. And the third... Greek word here is horeo, which means he sees with his mind, so he's thinking here as well. And it says afterwards that he believes. John went in, he saw, and he believed. And what is going on here is that the disciples are really thinking about this. And this is important because lots of people today think that Christians enter into this faith without really thinking. And Faye did not enter into this faith without really thinking. She went through the Alpha course looking at the, the, um, the information, looking at the evidence. See, people can think, you know, there are rational people who need proof and evidence, and there are Christians who just believe. But Christian faith works with thought and reasoning. I don't have lots of time to explain everything this morning. But we can believe what the scriptures say. When we go through Alpha, um, we, we see that we can trust the scriptures as ancient documents. That there's a science called textual criticism that shows that we can believe that these, script, these scriptures were from the date that we, they say they were. That we have more of the original documents than some of what is taught as fact in our schools across the nation. So we can believe when we come to Scripture that these are true, what is written. And this is an eyewitness account. And another reason that I find this so convincing is that all of the first witnesses to the appearances of the resurrected Jesus were women. Not because women are more trustworthy, although that might be the case, 
or that they're more reliable. But let me explain. Historians will tell you that in ancient times, if you wanted to make something up, if you wanted to fabricate a story, you wouldn't have put women in there as the first witnesses because women were not accepted as plausible, reasonable witnesses. They weren't considered equal in ancient culture. So if you wanted to make up a story about the resurrected God, you wouldn't have put women in there. Even ancient writers after the Gospels, hundreds of years after, would try to disprove the Gospel writings by saying you cannot trust these accounts because women were there. So for me, the only historical, plausible explanation for why women are in the story is because they were really there and because this really happened. There's no other reasoning behind this. And other reasonable, rational thinkers can talk about the Bible being made up, made up stories. This can't be true, but textual criticism and style of writing shows us that this can be trusted. They talk about when people say that the Bible is made up stories, and you know, intelligent, rational thinking people can say that. Actually, there's not a lot of thinking goes into that statement. Because this style of writing did not exist at this time. In this, at this time, people did not put in the detail of times and places when they wrote stories. That's not, that did not exist. So when people say these are made-up stories, there's not, there's not a lot of thinking gone into that. Also, hundreds of other people witnessed the resurrected Jesus whose lives were changed as a a result. And they weren't just kind of ancient, less intelligent people who believed in miracles. They needed evidence as well. And Mary needed evidence to see Jesus. When you look at the disciples' lives before and after the cross, you see the change and you have to come to a conclusion. See... If you don't believe in the resurrection and you see the change in the disciples' lives and the change in people's lives today, you have to come up with some kind of similar amazing force and intensity that you end up making great leaps of faith as if you believed in the resurrection itself. Anselm of Canterbury said, I believe in order to understand. For I do not seek to understand in order to believe, but I believe in order to, under, to understand. For I believe this, unless I believe, I will not understand. And what happens when we make this step of faith? I believe that as a Christian. I did not make a leap of faith, but I made a step. I looked at the evidence. I considered this. I looked at people's lives and the change that happened when they met Jesus. And I made a step. And my life has never been the same again. Never been the same again. If you'd have met me 15, 16, 17 years ago, I was a very different person. You know, I still had the looks and charm, obviously, but I. (laughs) Why do people laugh when I say that? (laughs) But 
I was a very different person. I was far, far from God. I was so lost. We were joking before the service. This wasn't, we weren't talking about faith. We were saying about baptism. If we held people under for the longer, the, the worse a sinner they were. If that was true, I'd still be there. <laughs> I'd still be there. See, not only is this rational, it's also merciful. See, Mary's lack of understanding in this story that we read is she had a lack of understanding of who Jesus was. She was looking for a dead body. As much as she loved him and heard him teach, she, she would never have found him because she was looking for a human Jesus. But he searches her out. Why are you weeping? He says, he had to break through. And essentially, this summarizes the whole story of the Bible. A shrunken view and understanding of who God is and who Jesus was. He seeks her out. Reminds me of a story, I'm sure many of you know it, of the prodigal son as a father who had two sons. And one of the sons comes to the father one day and says, basically, Father, you're dead to me, and I want my half of the inheritance. So the father, with great anguish and pain in his heart, gives half of his inheritance to the son. And the son goes off and lives a wretched life, basically, and spends all of his money trying to live a good life, thinking this is the way, this is the high life, this is the way that... You know, I should live, you know, dad, father, he was always trying to slow me down. But then, of course, it all goes. He loses everything. He ends up feeding pigs and eating the pods that the pigs eat. And he comes to his senses. He says, even my father's servants live better than this. So he thinks, maybe I'll just go back, I'll, I'll beg for some sort of forgiveness, and maybe I could just work as a, a servant, and you know, I could just live, and at least I could be eating better than this and living better than this. So he goes to his father's house, and he's, he's walking to his father's house, thinking about what he's going to say, trying to think about his best apologies, best story he can say to get his father's forgiveness. But as he approaches, his father is standing on his porch. He's looking out for his son. He's been looking out for his son from the moment he left. He's, he's watching and he sees on the brow of the hill, he sees his son coming. What does the father do? I know what I'd do. I'd be, go on, mate, sling your hook. No, the father... He sees him at a distance and he runs towards his son. He runs towards his son and he embraces his son. He says, my son, you were lost and now you're found. He puts his best robe on him. He puts a ring on his finger. He says, let's celebrate. My son is found. Do you know that's what he's like with us? That's what God is like with us. You know, you may have prayed a prayer many years ago. You may have made some sort of commitment 
5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. You may have prayed a prayer. You may have seen something and think, oh yeah, there's something in this. But right now, God is looking at you from the brow of the hill and he's wanting to embrace you. He's seeing you and he's saying, my son, my daughter, I want this relationship with you. He's not going to just shove you away and say, no, this is, you know, he's not like that. He wants to embrace you. He wants a relationship with you. It doesn't matter that you've turned your back on him and you haven't lived your life because he's a loving father. He loves you. What we're, what we're doing today, we're celebrating the resurrection because Jesus died on a cross so that we can have a relationship with him. We're celebrating that he has conquered death so that you can know him for all eternity. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. So it doesn't matter if you prayed something a long time ago and not done anything about that. But the, the Father, God the Father, is looking out for you. See, the problem is, as well, we, we all think we're going to live to a ripe old age and then die in our sleep. There'll always be tomorrow. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah, there might be something in this, but you know, I'm just going to wait till I've got my life in order. I'll just get this sorted, this life situation. I'm just going to wait till I get married, get this job situation sorted. Just wait till my kids are you know, grown up. I'm just going to wait for this to happen. But actually, if you've had any, any experience of life, you know that life doesn't promise that. And the Bible certainly doesn't promise that, that there'll always be a tomorrow. So can I encourage you today, is the day where you can give your life to God. We always think that we're going to live longer and we'll sort this out another day. We'll consider God. We'll consider Christianity another day. But consider this today. Jesus died for you. Why did he do it? Because there was a great gap between God and man. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. And when we talk about sin, you know, we can say, well, I'm not as bad as that lot. You know, I'm not quite Jesus or Mother Teresa. We look at this kind of moral ladder and we think, well, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle. God's up there. You know, Hitler, dictators... Liverpool fans and players and managers are somewhere just above them. Right, slightly higher. Not a lot. But when we talk about sin, it means we've turned our back on God. We're living our life separate from him. It's not just about all these horrible crimes that we may have done. It's about us turning our back on God and supporting Liverpool. If you support Liverpool, you can repent of that today. <laughs> I believe in that, brothers and sisters. No, I won't. <clears throat> but we, we put ourselves somewhere, but actually it means we've just turned our back on God as well. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but 
The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Sin means that we're separated from God. Our wage is a consequence. Death means spiritually dead towards God in this life and eternally God dead to God in hell when we die. Eternal life means that God has given us this gift of eternal life for those who choose Jesus. So God is altogether holy. He's so serious about sin. He hates sin. He can't have anything to do with it. But he's not only perfectly holy, he's also perfectly merciful. He hatched a plan that the full sentence of death was carried out and there was an escape for all of mankind. And the plan was the great exchange. 2 Corinthians 5 says, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He became what we are, sinners, so that he, he might become what he, we could become what he is, righteous. We got, he got what we deserve, death. The great exchange. See, there was no, there was no, space between, there's a perfect relationship between Jesus and the Father. And there was this gap between us. There was this separation called sin between us and the Father. And Jesus took upon himself the weight of sin. And he conquered sin and death forever. And his resurrection was God's stamp of approval of the price that was paid. His resurrection is a foretaste that we can enjoy eternal life. We no longer fear the grave. It's what we're celebrating today. He, we no longer need to fear the grave. You see, as a Christian, we, we, we don't have blinkers on. We know that there is still pain and suffering and evil in this life. But it helps us make sense of it. You know, without me believing in Jesus, actually, there is no hope. It, I don't understand the difficulties and pain and suffering that goes on in this world. Because if, if this isn't true, because it is either true or it isn't, there is no in-between, because that just doesn't make sense. True for you, not true for me. It's either true or it isn't. If this is true, this helps me make sense of what happens afterwards. If I die early, then there is hope. We've known death in our family, but that gives us hope because we know where they've gone. For those that are in Christ Jesus. He has risen. He's risen. You know, we could be happy about that this morning. And today can be that day. Today can be that day where there can be a transfer from darkness into light. No longer fearing death. You can follow Jesus. One day you will face him. One day you will face him and you will have to say what you did with his son Jesus. So today, like Mary, Jesus is calling you by name. Because this is also personal and wonderful.
he loves you. If you hear and remember anything today, just remember that he loves you. He's never stopped pursuing you. He's like the father in the story. He's never stopped watching out for you. If you've said that prayer before, ask Jesus into your life. Even said it many times. If you've never done anything about it, then today's the day. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. I'm hoping chocolate, to be honest. But you do not know what tomorrow will bring. I'm just going to ask the band to come back up. I'm just going to start to to play. I say this many times, but nearly on a daily basis, I commit my life back to Jesus. You know you can do that again today. If you've prayed this before, you can do it again. If you've never done it before, then today can be a transfer from darkness into light. So it can be a joyful day. We're going to pray. Can I ask you to just bow your heads? You can say these words after me, if you so choose, in, just in the quietness of your, of your mind. And just believe God is speaking to some of some of you that this morning who have prayed this prayer before and not done anything about it you feel a bit like that son who, who ran away you knew the father and then you ran away and you've not done anything about it but you can just see him in the distance right now and he's, he's running towards you with his arms open wide Will you come to him today to let today be the day? This can be for all of us if you want to just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Sorry that I chose to turn my back on you. that I don't live, that didn't live the life you called me to live. Please now come and take first place in my life and put to my account what you did on the cross. Just keep your heads bowed for a moment. Now, if you responded to that this morning, that's you where you you prayed something a long time ago or you've never prayed it before but you've done it this morning just show your hands it's just between you and God 
okay. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're just going to sing one last song.
Amen.